0: or by contacting me directly, Damon, at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone, welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm your host, Damon Pasalka, and I am so happy today because I am terribly excited about our guest. We have Doug Manuel from Doug Manuel International. And do you speak Jembe and How to Media. Doug, awesome having you here today. Okay, well,
1: thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this, this Damon. It's really, really exciting
0: to be here with you. I am excited. I am just really, really jumping up and down here because we're going to talk about purpose-driven engagement. We're going to go back through some of your history. We're going to talk about how, you know, as a producer for the BBC you got introduced to drumming and how that's really affected your life from, from there on. So as we always like to start out, let's start back there. You were a, you were a a producer for the BBC. You, you did work in, in Africa and some other things. So let's talk about that a little bit and how you really discovered djembe and drumming. Uh,
1: So I, I was, uh, I left. I, 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 we can go back even further. Actually, I, I very good failed everything, failed everything at school. Went and washed I dishes, see. in we resort in Switzerland in the winter, and then in the summer, ended up in in Cannes, uh, where the f- famous film festival is. Working on a beach down there, um, that led me to, uh, to to someone actually who who ne- needed a runner during the Cannes film festival, and okay. that led me to going into film and TV, so I took this job as a runner during the Cannes Film Festival. That led me into to, uh, starting working in film and television, uh, and I yeah. kind of climbed my way up the ladder, and by the end, I was producing documentaries for, for the BBC. Um, the last two years I worked in the BBC, or for the BBC, um, I was working on a documentary about African elephants, so I got to travel all over uh, Africa oh, to goodness. film these amazing animals.
0: Um, oh and my
1: they changed according to their habitat. So it was just an extraordinary experience.
0: Oh my goodness. Yes.
1: Yeah. That was really amazing. So, so you know, in kind of Kenya where they're in theory protected that these model elephants with these huge tusks, if you go to Namibia, uh, in the desert, their life Mm -hmm. is one constant trek between food and water. So they have massive long legs and huge splayed feet so they can cope walking in sand dunes. And then if you Mm -hmm. go into the, Forests in Central Africa—they're much smaller to be able to navigate through the forest. So it's like pygmies. Wow. Uh, yeah. And then if you go to Uganda, where the, you know the, the ivory trade was with Idi Amin in kind of late seventies, uh, the elephants there today either have very small tusks or no tusks at all. So they found their way to evolve and survive in a relatively short period of time. In fact. Wow. So, yeah, these animals can adapt. It's really extraordinary. Great. Really extraordinary.
0: It is amazing. It is amazing. It is, and I, I bet the cultures and you, cause the diverse places you were at, the cultures, the animals, yes, that that fantastic to be able to see how the animals, uh, develop differently based on their environment. Um, absolutely. that alone just to think, cause that didn't happen over hundreds of thousands of years, did it? Or, or was it shorter? No, no, no. That? Probably in the
1: rainforest and in, in the Savannah, that was hundreds of years. But certainly yeah. in, in Uganda, that was a matter of... Quick. Yeah. I mean, oh, a few decades. Wow. Really extraordinary.
0: So, that's,
1: yeah. That's and, awesome. and so when I was working at the BBC, I kind of had this double whammy introduction to Africa. A friend of mm-hmm. mine, when I was working there, uh, said to me, come on a djembe workshop. Uh, the djembe oh, sorry, is one of these drums. Yeah. And uh, I, I had an amazing day. And I said to myself at the end of that day, one day I'm going to go to Africa and I'm going to study the music. So at the end of making this film about elephants, my boss turned around and said, well, I'd like you to to work on a film about gorillas. And when I put the budget and the schedule together, I realized I was only gonna get between seven and 12 weeks travel over three years. So it was essentially gonna oh. be an office-based job. And um, so I said, you know, I, I, I have to go now. I'm sorry, I'm gonna leave. And uh, I said, I'll, I'll train up anyone you want me to train up. I'll give you all the contacts I made in Central Africa. Um, mm-hmm. But I have to go. And find so I packed in my job, took myself off to West Africa, found a djembe teacher uh, initially in, in Gambia and basically spent six months traveling around Gambia, Guinea and Senegal, learning how to play djembe. And I was playing five, six hours every day with the African masters till I couldn't move my fingers. So, yeah. And then um, then I went back to England where I was living in London and I took 15 drums back with me. I uh, did one more job in, in TV, making a documentary for Channel 4, it was, and realized I just couldn't do that anymore. So mm-hmm. um, I started running workshops, djembe workshops in schools and prisons and refugee centers and struggled to make any money and, and thought, well, the only way I'm going to make this work is if I take this into, uh, into the private sector, which uh-huh. I did. That was back in, was it 2000, 2000? 2000? um and th- never look back what can I say that's uh basically been my life so.
0: that's awesome so let's let's just back up a little bit because you you gloss over the fact that you learned how to play djembe for six months traveling around Africa I mean what were some of the things the lasting memories of that because that that's a that's an incredible, life-changing trip, I've got to believe. Uh, it really was. Uh, I, I think, I mean,
1: apart from the fact that, you know, it's it's an entirely, entirely different culture, and, and we can talk about it a little bit later, but I take my corporate clients now to to, to West Africa on leadership retreats, mm-hmm. and often they're, they're saying, okay, well, what time are we doing this? What time are we doing this? What time are we doing this? It's like, it, it, you have to think that, it, you know, here in the West, uh, we have watches and there they have time. And so it's a completely different approach to life. You know, magic happens in the moment. Um, I, I think one of the, the biggest things that was uh, that's really stayed with me is how I observe my own learning process. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't necessarily break down rhythms in in the way that the Western mind would want to understand them. And actually my first teacher, he was left-handed and I didn't get it for a few weeks. And I was sitting next to him and I was trying to copy what his hands were doing. Um, and then when I realized he was left-handed, rather than sitting next to him, when I was taking my classes, I sat opposite him and I could be his mirror. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden that was like a breakthrough moment where it was like, okay, I, I get this. I can, I can follow his hands now. And so I think it's, it's just interesting to to always observe our lo- own learning process and how we get from A to B, or you know, and eventually to Z when we're learning something new, um, and yes. just to persist and to find find solutions to to, to different ways of learning. Yes. Um, and we all learn differently, right? So so mm-hmm. that was kind of a, a breakthrough moment for me. Um, but then just the, the different way of life. I mean, a lot of them. A lot of the times in West Africa, people don't know what they're going to eat tomorrow. And yeah. they're, smiling all the, they're smiling all the time. Um, the, the sense of inherent community, the sense of inherent collaboration. I mean, if you look, if you sit there and you watch the fishermen on the, on the beach going fishing and then how they bring their massive boats back onto the beach, um, they're all working together. They're, um, everyone has their role. And none of them, none of them have been to a five-star hotel on a team building program. You know so yeah they just fit in and they know how to do it because they have to but it's also very intuitive and it's it's much more um a culture where where it's around feeling as opposed to thinking and of course you know we need our brilliant thinking minds in business today because we we have to put our strategies together and we have to learn and we have to um uh, you know we, we we have to think about data and all of those things i get all of that but the wisdom of indigenous culture, we really need to bring that back into our organizations, just in terms of feeling, you can link that to emotional intelligence. How do we connect to mm-hmm. each other? How can um, I enhance your experience and how can you enhance my experience and make each other's lives better? I mean, that whole thing, the amount of times that companies say to me, oh Emil, we're working in silos, we're working in silos. I mean, that's just a mindset thing that how how can I make your life more interesting and better by you know sharing and finding ways that we we really come together. You know, so um, there are all sorts of lessons that I learned during my time there that that are really valuable to to what I do today. Definitely. One of
0: the things that you said that I that, that just really impacts me, and in the triviality of of a lot of things that 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 I personally worry about is you said that people don't know what to eat, but they're smiling what they're going to eat tomorrow, but they're still smiling. And I think we get so caught up in the, in, in the U S that's my frame of reference on things that have very little to do with what we, (laughs) I mean, it just really doesn't, it shouldn't impact our happiness. No, it shouldn't impact our happiness nearly as much as we allow it to. Yeah.
1: There's, um, I actually have a house in, in Senegal in West Africa and Mm -hmm. Um, I, I do quite a lot of humanitarian work there. And um, one of the, the rec- more recent trips, uh, I went to the health center and it was at night and the medical center. And the midwife was there giving birth. Oh, There, there was a, mm-hmm. a woman giving birth and, um,
0: and there was a power
1: cut. And actually, the midwife then took a pocket torch and she stuck it between her shoulder and her ear. And that's how she delivered the baby. And I was witness yeah. to that. And it was like, oh, we'll just find the way to do it, you know. And here we've got so much, and of course there's complications, and you know, from time to time there's 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 deaths, and but they just find ways through, and and in such a resourceful way. Uh, And I think that we've just lost a sense of that here in the West today, really.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. just different just different but that's just I, I just i love that i love that line what you said because it really does the, the perseverance and the and the um the approach to life is is just get it done do what we need to do and and move on i just i love that i love that yeah so so again get, get off that because that's a, that's a that's a huge topic for me personally and thanks so much for sharing that it, it is because i think that uh i i just know i don't think i know we get too wrapped up in in things that are just like pfft, why are we even you know and we, we, we in the yeah exactly in the us we spend trillions of dollars on stupid not shouldn't say trivial stuff that really doesn't make a difference and and uh and and time and effort but it's great that you said that so moving on you're 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 doing you're helping people now, and you're we're gonna talk about your documentary a little bit, but less how did you 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 decided that you were in the trying to do teach djembe in the schools and other things like that, and then you decided to go into the the commercial sector with it. What what really was the impetus for you to uh, not the impetus, but what was really your thought process, and what am I going to help them with in the commercial sector with the with jembe?
1: So, so there was an organization in the UK in London that's called Arts and Business, and mm-hmm. what they did—I'm not sure whether they still do it—but what they did at the time was they they gave classes to artists to show artists how their art form could be useful for uh, for organizations.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: So what they did was. Uh, it was an amazing exercise, actually. They they said when you're drumming. I mean, for me, it was drumming, but there were artists there mm-hmm. and there were singers. Yeah. You know, there was a whole array of different different mediums and artists that 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 were there awesome. that day. But from a drumming perspective, it's like what what are you doing when you're drumming? So um, you're feeling as opposed to thinking. So um, active listening. You have to be agile and listen to what other musicians are doing. Um, So even there, you know, you've got, if if you're feeling, then there's a whole piece there around emotional intelligence. It's like, how do you know if you trust somebody? It's because you feel it. You don't think trust. Um, Mm -hmm. Active listening. It's like, are we listening um, to to, to respond or are we listening uh, to react? You know, when we're listening, do we respond or do we react? Um, mm-hmm. And again, if, if you take that back into the musical context, we have to respond to each other. It's not—it's not about reaction,
0: okay? Yes. Uh,
1: if you think about, um, I mean, collaboration. You have to be collaborating. You can't have five people playing a solo at the same time. Someone has to hold down the foundation so that somebody else can fly. Um, there's innovation. There's creativity. Um, I mean, it's just—it it goes on and on and on. And then. know from my perspective as well today is whenever i you know whenever whenever, whenever i run a program i'm you know really conscious as well i'm I'm a white guy who's been to africa um and so i always bring in these amazing african musicians that even though i've been playing for 20 years make me look like a complete beginner Uh, yeah and then there's around you know diversity and inclusion and equity. And, and, and these are all things that really matter today. This is what mm-hmm. companies are looking for that, that, um, yeah, that, that really matter. I mean, I, I think yes. today we're in a situation today where, where, you know, staff retention is pretty much at an all time low. Employee engagement is, a, is a, at an all time low. Um, and we, we have to find ways to, um, to tell a different story. Uh, mm-hmm. to the employees in an organization so that we go back to origin stories of things um yeah and, and appreciate skill sets because uh, that's what makes a difference today
0: so yeah it was absolutely. just a part of a of of a leadership retreat last week where they went through the origin story and the shared the vision of the owner in the place and it was a very powerful experience and i don't okay. think I don't think a lot of the people there I didn't know the entire story either and it, and it was really something to hear the the founder of the company give the origin story of his background how that how the the business has affected him and others in the, his life and how he's affected other people and it was a healthcare business so um, but right. yeah that origin story you could you could feel it pulling the team together
1: Absolutely You'd, I mean it's all about what value an organization creates rather than, you know, let's knock our competitor off the, of, uh, off the number one spot. I mean, that doesn't, I don't think that really motivates anybody. Yeah. Um, we, we need to be looking much more at, at um, well, it's purpose driven, right? It, it's, it's the mm-hmm. value that we're creating um, and how we're making a difference in the
0: world. Yeah. I can see back- now how the purpose driven engagement. So that, explain how you started to tie the, the purpose driven engagement in, into what you're doing.
1: Um, I was always doing that to a certain degree. Um, but I think mm-hmm. the turning point of that was COVID. Okay. Um, so my entire business was based on in-person events and you'll probably want to ask me about my, the concert, the stage show mm-hmm. that I created. Um, yeah. and, you know, all of a sudden COVID came along and everything was shut down and, you know, life changed for so many of us in so many different ways. Um, but my business, you know, just went completely south. I mean, so yeah. everything was in person, live events. And, you know, if when I started really thinking about it, I thought to myself, hey, if you ask any of the djembe masters, you know, the, the West African master drummers, they'll call them djembe folas, uh, why does the djembe exist? Um, and they would turn around to you and they say, they would say, well, in the Malinke and Bambara tribes of West Africa, they used to say, Anka J, Anka Bay, Anka J, Anka Bay, uh, which the, the literal translation means everyone gather together. Uh-huh. So, Anka J, Anka Bay, Djembe. That's how the word Djembe originated. So I thought to myself, hang on a sec, the Djembe is just technology, actually. It's just the most primal form of technology that exists. And If my purpose is to bring people together with some kind of engagement and purpose, and I do that with technology, then I can do it with a different type of technology. And so that whole notion of just being much more reflective and coming back to why am I doing what I'm doing? Uh, What's my purpose? And I think, you know, as any consultant um, or speaker, we can only take our audiences where we've been ourselves because mm-hmm. otherwise it's just um and so so the whole per the whole piece around you know purpose-driven let's get back to purpose-driven why are we doing what we're doing Um, that really enhanced became much more enhanced during and after covid
0: yeah. so yeah so let's let's talk about your stage show a little bit and then then we'll talk about then we'll talk about how you adjusted during covid because i think you, you did a you did a not so minor pivot as we we're, as you know, people used to talk about COVID, but talk about the stage show. Cause you, I mean, you, you, your stage show, I mean, you, you did a TEDx talk. We could talk about that. We could talk about the stage show. So let's start with the stage show. Cause I think, I mean, you, you've done, I don't even know where to start. You've done so many things in your stage show, but tell me about it. Tell me about what, why you put together, what was fun for it. For you, what were some of the challenges? Some, who were some of the people you got? I, I thought, oh my goodness, I would never thought I would have been able to perform for them.
1: So, w- when I was in Africa
0: uh,
1: the first time on the first study trip, something woke up inside me. And when I came back, the first thing I said was, "Everybody has to play djembe. The whole world has to play djembe. I, I need to get as many nice. people playing as possible." That was kind of my. That was kind of my my trip. <laughs> um, nice. And so anyway, so, I had, you know, running these programs in the corporate, corporate world. And I guess it was, it must have been like 2006, 2007. It was around then. Um, I was living in Europe. I was living in Switzerland. And there was this conference speaker who was a, an orchestral conductor. And he mm. was called into these big company events with the orchestra. In the morning and he was talking about how the orchestra is like um, a company and everyone has their whole their own role and we have to listen to each other and tons of messages and then what happened what was happening was i got brought in in the afternoon with you know hundreds or thousands of djembes to turn everybody into the orchestra uh you know to reinforce the 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 metaphor so it wasn't just you know it wasn't just him giving theory it was then let's do it now this is the practice
0: Mm -hmm. Nice. This is
1: putting it into action. and we kept following each other around and eventually I called him and I said you know we must be we must it must be that we need to do something together we keep running into each other yes so we ended up creating this stage show together um and we were 36 people on stage it was a small african band the whole symphony orchestra everyone in the audience got a drum um and we you know we put this show together and we 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 had lots of fun um And then I produced the show myself in Geneva uh, to raise money for UNICEF. And we Mm -hmm. did that under the high patronage of Sir Roger Moore, uh, the best best James Bond, in my view, anyway. Yeah. Um, And um, that night there was, unbeknownst to me, there was a producer in the audience who had a production company in Paris. And he said to me, you know, this is an amazing concept. but you're 36 people on stage, you must be losing a fortune. And I said, yeah, we're losing a fortune, but we're having a great time. Um, Yeah. uh, If you can negotiate your way out of this with the orchestra, I I have a production company in Paris and I'll give you a one month run in Paris. So I I, I did just that. And uh, we did this month run in Paris um, at three and a half weeks, uh, TF1, which is the French national TV station. We were on there. Mm -hmm news the the main news um and the the phone was just ringing off the hook and we had to then extend the production by another uh six weeks
0: so we ended up doing
1: three well three months basically um yeah we were on stage virtually every night um doing the stage show and we created a story with it um the story was was basically that that um ancestrally and you know this is this is Science, ancestrally, if you trace us all far enough back, we all come from Africa. Uh, mm-hmm. Africa being Africa, the cradle of humanity. I mean, there's that book, mm-hmm. *Sapiens*. I mean, that's you know, Homo sapiens. Yeah. from Africa, and then the fun part of it was was we explored the influence of the rhythms of the djembe on all the pop music we listen to today. So we had this whole audience playing with Michael Jackson wow. and uh, with a whole band on stage. And anyway, so so we did, we did, um, we did. That show, then we went on tour around France and fr- French-speaking Switzerland. We went back to Paris. That was 2015. And there was the terrorist attack at the Bataclan uh, in Paris. Mm. I didn't sell any tickets, so I had to close the production down in France. I took the, pro- the, the production to a bunch of producers that I'd met along the way in Europe, and they all said, you know, if you want to make it big in, in Europe, you know, you have to you have to make it big in the States. I'm like, oh, God, do we? <laughs> So network like crazy and this amazing woman who I'd met um, had an amazing network in LA and she found a way of doing a part of the show at TEDx Hollywood. Um, so we did like a 15, 16 minute slot at TEDx Hollywood, uh, which was all about how technology um, enhances humanity or should do anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it was through this woman that Kind of unbeknownst to me, um, Oprah heard about it. She'd sent a team and we ended up uh, opening Oprah's uh, third Super Soul Sessions at UCLA with 1,750 drums in the audience um, with Oprah drumming. And Then off the back of that, I found some investors um, and we did a four-month run in Chicago in 2019 and we were nominated for the jeff awards the chicago theater awards um and then well covid
0: <laughs> yeah so, kind of closed down lots yeah. of things
1: in this way yeah you know.
0: but during covid you you changed what you were doing a little bit and now i mean it 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 really looks like yes it's it that was a a hard end to a, a probably a pretty productive part, but do you explain how you've changed and and how you really feel about what you're doing now? So, I mean, during COVID, I, I
1: you know when it started, like anyone else, I spent you know two weeks on the sofa, bawling my eyes out, thinking, "What am I going to do? What am I going to do? How, yeah. am gonna, like, how am I going to like how am I going to feed myself? How you know
0: all these questions?
1: Yeah. Um, and then there was that technology piece that I spoke of earlier that you know. Mm-hmm. So I could still bring people together in a different way. You can't do anything with collective music making online because there's like this inherent sound delay. Um, so, you know, you, but then having been on stage uh, so much at so many events, it was like, um, there's a whole thing around performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've thought to myself, well, why have I never left the stage tired? You know, get all this energy playing and playing and playing and, you know, playing djembe's physical and I was never tired when I came off stage, um, and I had the same script every night, and I realized that actually what I was doing was I was I, I was putting a different energy out every evening to bring the audience with me, because I was like the, the MC, mm-hmm. and it, it made me realize that actually if we can circulate energy between us, between people, then we don't need to go into burnout, and we don't need to 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 get tired and so anyway i created this whole course um which i called the energy circle which was you know how to do virtual properly um based on the foundation that that you know business became very transactional uh and the intrapersonal went missing and it was like how could we bring that back um Mm -hmm. in the virtual space i believe we can actually yes um I believe we can, and I, I, I still think that, that you know, we haven't, a, a lot of organizations haven't figured out how to run breakouts properly. Uh, there's all sorts of icebreakers that we can do at the beginning of a meeting, or when, you know, people get stuck in a meeting, or, you know, when energy kind of gets low, there's all sorts of things we can do. And, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden we're in this this situation where, you know, if I think about Africa and any indigenous culture, actually, there's no separation between work and life, so this whole notion of work-life balance is is really nonsense. If you go if you go to Africa, it's work-life integration. The mm-hmm. kids are running around. There's music. The food's cooking. There's people coming past, and and all of a sudden, you know, in in the COVID space, there were kids coming in. There were. I mean, I, yeah. I remember a, a, a meeting I had with an HR director of a, a of a huge company a Swiss company and i heard birds singing and i thought oh he's probably got his window open and it was a warm summer day and the next thing i knew there was a budgie that landed on his shoulder and he spent the rest of the call you know tickling this bird under its chin and i mean every time i'd seen him this guy he was in a suit in his office yeah and all yeah. he became human you know and mm-hmm. and and so who makes the rules you know do we have to sit down all day long yeah, what's wrong with just standing up and putting some music on, which we can do in the virtual space and dancing around mm-hmm. for 30 seconds, one minute, if it makes us more mm-hmm. productive, brings us together. And how can we create those shared experiences in a different way so that we're just, at the end of the day, closer as people, more connected and more productive? And we can make our own rules, but we go into this mm-hmm. kind of world owner that, that kills everything. Um, and that's what happens when we separate work and life, and we have to integrate. That's the point. That's
0: the point. I laugh because, uh, and I'm, I'm just, I'm just flabbergasted here because I never realized what you were. My heritage. I grew up on a family farm in in the Dakotas, a working family farm. There was no work-life balance. It was, it was like you said. I remember walking out, my, my father's working on a piece of equipment or driving, you know, or working with animals or doing all this kind of stuff. It wasn't day, night. It wasn't, it was, we're, we're living and it's all together. And I never really have seen work-life balance. And I even call my, my life is just work is integrated into my life. And when you said that, how there's no real separation between work and life, that. It always rings a rings a, a strong chord with me because we try to separate, and there's always there's always uh, competition when you separate. But when you integrate, you 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 find that it is so much easier. And I and I hadn't heard anyone use COVID as and and the the working from home or virtual work and the other ways that we we learn how to do that. Because it is that if if you can integrate, you don't have to go home tired at the end of the day or finish your day wherever you are. You don't have to finish it tired because you are doing things throughout the day, including work that really keeps you energized, keeps you better as a person and better as as a professional. And yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. So you started. So then, did you start to to teach people how to really understand the work life integration part? Or what were you doing then during COVID? Yeah,
1: so, so, so I have a a, a kind of hour long, super interactive keynote that nice. that takes people through the exercises and ask questions, and we're going to breakouts, and we come back and it's ask another question, another energizer. And, so it's partly yeah. to help organizations link the personal purpose of any given employee to the purpose mm-hmm. of the organization through the organization's origin story and mixed up with you can do this and you can do this and you can do this to to make your virtual interactions you know more interesting wow. so yeah that, that's one of the things that i do so and the, the other cool. thing that that kind of really touched me during COVID. I I couldn't play djembe at home um, because I, you know, living in Switzerland, Switzerland is an amazing country, but noise pollution is a big problem in some parts of the country uh, to the point where in, and I kid you not, in some parts of the country, you can't even run a bath or flush your toilet after 10 o'clock at night in some parts of Switzerland, honestly, wow, here's where you are, but but, um, in some parts. And so, um, on one of the trips to West Africa, I brought back I brought back one of these instruments, which is a it's a calabash. And a, it's basically a West African harp. Um, and I wanted to make music at home, and you know I could I could play that whenever I wanted in the middle of the night or whatever. And I found myself a teacher in Senegal in West Africa, and he used to uh-huh. send me these little bits, and I used to practice and practice and practice, and then film myself. And then I'd send them back to him, and then he gave me, you know, another thing to practice and play. And what's interesting about this instrument is, in West Africa, uh, the kora is known to play the music of the soul.
0: And oh, it wow. made me think,
1: you know, the the without wanting to go esoteric and fluffy, but organizations are made up of of people, and people have souls. Mm-hmm. And and anyway, so a whole new keynote was born. Um, yeah, called the the soul of business where we go back to personal purpose, link purpose to the uh, personal purpose, the purpose of the organization. Um, and then we live it through, you know, some interactive musical exercises. So all sorts of, I, COVID was like amazing. I mean, it was amazing.
0: Yeah. Well, I think when, if you used it, like you did a yes. Yeah, I mean to 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 think and and really contemplate and and reinvent some of the things that you're doing and the way that you're now helping people link their personal purpose to the organizational purpose. After you do that, that has to be uh, that has to be dramatically different. The organizations have to feel dramatic and operate dramatically different when when that uh, happens.
1: I, mean, I, I think that that's where product productivity really soars. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's- yes. And that's what people need. I mean, and why are people disengaged? And it's because, you know, the senior leaders often um, are telling their people the wrong story. It's no one's it's, mm-hmm. interested about knocking a competitor off, off the number one spot. No, I, I don't think anyone really cares about that today. Of course, yes. the shareholders, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, et cetera, and I realise, yeah, yeah, but the, and the souls in the organisation—they just they want to go to work, feeling like they've contributed to something. Yes, and they create
0: some value. I'm thinking about what you just said about the 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 leaders and how they sometimes do that. They talk about shareholder value and those kind of things. And I think if you everybody understands that's what you want to do in business by the end of the day. But mm-hmm. if it's a focus, if a focus or the focus, and not the focus, like you're saying, how do we get? personal purpose aligned with organizational purpose to drive something better than we we ever envisioned because once you drive what's better than we ever envisioned we will create shareholder value we will be better than everybody else that's that all happens but it happens because we've aligned the people and their hearts their minds and their bodies together and that alignment You you feel it in organizations when you do this. You you feel it, you feel the passion, you feel the caring, you feel the, the people working together to do what they need to do. And honestly, you you see the one plus one equals three in those businesses where they, they come up with ideas that you had no idea. The two people walk into a situation, neither one of them has the idea of the solution, but the solution they came up with was better than either one of theirs to start with. And That's it that purpose the alignment of purpose is where you get where you connect that together so super cool man super cool (laughs) and i think you had
1: i was just saying these experience as opposed to theory so people need to be taken through the process that's not something that you would get from a book even if it's something we all know you know it's kind of
0: no no I've had, I've been fortunate enough for a couple companies where it's hit me like that. And, wow. and when it does, it is one of those things you remember that you're it's, I mean, I'm talking 20 years ago, I still remember that kind of thing. And yeah. so you're really helping people, well, find purpose, personal purpose in what they're doing. Yeah. Cause you know, the world they're, needs,
1: our, we need companies. I mean, companies do create value in do. our life, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but we just need to make that we need to switch, flick that switch, you know? So,
0: yes. Yes. You had to have seen some pretty powerful. I, I just ex- situations and experiences doing this, helping people just had to oh. be some real powerful things that you were just like,
1: yeah, it's been amazing. It's, it's been an amazing, amazing journey. And it's, Still at the beginning.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's why it's probably I, I hope it's still very exciting for you because we got a lot of people that need to know about it.
1: Yeah. No, it's <laughs> it's definitely still at the beginning. I mean, when you say a lot of people, that that's kind of the the, the reason for the next project that I'm working on right now, which yes. is um, which is a documentary. Um yes. we're starting to film in in West Africa in March. Yeah, um, let's talk about that. So it it came about in a in an interesting way um i was talking to a client just before christmas and she said to me you know i've never met anyone who who has based their business on the wisdom of indigenous culture and has made a success of it and i'm like oh is that what i do you know kind of when you're in something you you don't see what someone else's perspective might be and she said oh someone should make a documentary about you and i was like oh okay um so I followed this guy called Richard Dipilla on mm-hmm. and um, I, I saw in his title that he his role had changed or his job description had changed, and all of a sudden he'd become the um, the chief growth officer of a production company in West Palm Beach called How to Media
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I sent him an email and said, "Oh you know someone should make a documentary about me <laughs> um." anyway we got talking and and indeed that's what's happening so i went to my investors who helped me in an incredibly generous way with a stage show and when i take things to them and they like it you know they say okay we'll we'll, we'll put in some more and um and so we're making this documentary um and it's oh, man. it's all basically um i'm gonna see a bunch of stuff in west africa i've never seen before despite the fact i've been traveling there for wow. you know 25 odd years yes the director is working with this master drummer and they're going to take me on this journey and we're going to basically explore all the values that i've talked about purpose-driven collaboration um respect tolerance listening and we're going to tell that story through i'm not sure quite what story it'll be because i don't know the whole the whole thing Mm -hmm. it's uh it'll be due out in october time Um, okay and how to media are amazing partners. I mean, really amazing. Um, awesome. And there'll be snippets all over LinkedIn. Um, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll bring all of this stuff to life and hopefully reach a, a much, much wider audience. I mean, that's yeah. what the world needs.
0: Um, wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it's amazing. Like you said, 25 years of traveling into Africa, learning what you've learned, you're going to get to travel in new places and and learn more about this I can only imagine what you're going to be doing with that knowledge after the documentary is done yeah I mean I think I, I don't know I, I yeah. life is such a
1: you know it's uh when something happens then it just enhances I mean in, in with what I do as a speaker it only ha- enhances the value I can create for others so
0: yes um, yes so that's amazing man that's that's amazing i am so happy for you because i mean listen to what you're doing listening to you know back from when when you were at the bbc how you you found your way to africa then how you took your time to learn about the djembe and drumming and taking that and then bringing that back with your stage show and doing that and then of course covid just slapped you at but what it was it was a time for you to reinvent into something that may actually prove to be more powerful or more life-changing for people in the long term sure i mean how yeah. cool is that and it wasn't it wasn't easy it's not easy. no 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 not easy I'm honestly it's, it, um, none, none of it's
1: easy it's it's never easy right you know yeah yeah you know, but it's uh that's what life is
0: it's but it's it, incredible it's yeah. just incredible
1: Tony Robbins, he always said, uh, life doesn't happen to us. It happens for us.
0: Yeah. And I really believe that's true. Yeah. Wow. I really believe that's true. Doug, this has been incredible. This is incredible <laughs> talking to you, man. I get so excited. I get so excited in how you're, you're talking about purpose-driven engagement. And you're helping people link their purpose personal purpose in life with the organization and the way you're tying that in with music and djembe and and indigenous cultures and how you're it's just it's so it's so appropriate for what we need in business today
1: back to the source back yeah. to the roots
0: yeah yeah i don't even know what else to say i just i i just appreciate you so much for so. sharing this with with us because uh I, I just this is this is something that is going to continue to change people for decades man
1: i hope it, I, hope, I mean i hope it just brings us back to what we are already yeah uh, i mean it's just that whole notion of yeah we need to take things digital but we need to keep things human yes that's the, that's the thing
0: again again we need to take take things digital but keep them human that's it awesome that's it. Well, Doug, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks thanks for talking about uh, Do You Speak Jembe, the, uh, the how-to media documentary. And you said the working title before we got on, it's Beats as One. Beats as One. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. And that's going to be coming out in October. Okay. Um, if someone wants to get a hold of you, what's a good way to contact you? Uh, either through LinkedIn okay,
1: or Very my good. website, which is Doug Manuel, M-A-N-U-E-L.com. Mm-hmm.
0: Very good. Well, Doug, thanks so much for being here today. I, I just can't, I can't express my appreciation for you sharing this today and talking about purpose-driven engagement. Thank you.
1: Damon, it's been a huge pleasure. Thanks to you for inviting me.
0: I really appreciate it. You bet. Well, hang out just for a minute. I want to say thank you to everyone else that was listening today, making comments. Thanks for stopping by. You can always check the replay out of my profile on LinkedIn or on the Exit Your Way website. We will be back again with another amazing guest. Thank you, everyone.